jasoncharles.net Deep talk, deep sounds. Halcyon. This is Bruce Tantum for the Halcyon Archives on jasoncharles.net. The following episode is part two of our special Halcyon 20th anniversary show, featuring original owner Sean Schwartz with a few more elements of the original Smith Street location that we didn't get to in part one, and the journey through the next 15 years to where we are today at the all-new Halcyon shop at Etiquette Space at 53 Broadway in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. There's a couple more things I wanted to talk to you about, Sean, regarding Smith Street. First of all, let's hear from your sister, Marissa Simon, who ran a Sunday reading series there called Wordsmiths. Whenever I hear Wordy Rapping Head by the Tom Tom Club, it reminds me of the small joys of Thursday evenings hosting Wordsmiths at Halcyon. I really loved having a theme song. There are a lot of other things that I love and miss. Um, Filling the couches with people from the neighborhood who were eager to hear poetry, memoirs, nonfiction, fiction, by the likes of uh, young Darren Strauss, Matthew Sharp, Gary Steingart, Jonathan Ames, Jonathan Latham, Victor Laval. But instead of just name dropping, I want to say it was really exciting to bring the words that they had to share to the neighborhood on Smith Street and finding really new and beautiful and hilarious and wise voices to share with everyone who is in the audience. So, Sean, what was the impetus for having wordsmiths at Halcyon? That was a kind of, back then, kind of an unusual move for what essentially was a record store in Brooklyn. Uh, well, you know, like a lot of things with Halcyon, it was, you know, kind of uh, extracted from the community, and in this case, extracted right from my family. <laughs> uh, it was that, you know, my sister is herself a, uh, a creative writer and uh, mover in the uh, literary world of Brooklyn. So it was just she wanted to do something and contribute something to what was going on, and that was the avenue. So we just tried it out, and it worked and it ran for years and had a, a dedicated audience and started to get notice in the press. And we had submissions from, you know, everyone from noobs to, you know, serious writers and publishers who wanted to place their authors at what came to be seen as one of the, you know, premier places to read uh, and share literary work in Brooklyn at the time. So uh, it was just exciting to get into something that. We never anticipated. We never thought that that's something that we would do. We didn't intend to, but, you know, just trial and error and, and that, that it worked and it added something to the whole. So much of it was trial and error at Halcyon and so much of it worked. People were just hungry for things like that back then. Yeah, I think it's a really like testament to like the time and place. Like, you know, there there was quite a bit of uh, creative energy uh, 
bubbling under in Brooklyn at the time that didn't have an outlet or didn't have a platform. So, uh, you know, once we, we put that out there that way, that, uh, it was a place that you could come and suggest an event and, you know, have a low bar for entry to try something out, you know, it, uh, just kind of started to roll by itself. So in part one of this interview, we had already mentioned artist and former employee Oliver Vernon, who since went on to become a very successful international artist. That's a good way to lead into talking a bit more about the gallery and art events that were also an important element of Halsey on Smith Street. How did that get started? Uh, we had walls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, again, you know, we were kind of looking at... Um, you know the the culture of hip hop which is which is often you know described as being rap music break dancing and graffiti and we looked at that sort of holistic approach and we're trying to apply that to dj culture and electronic music culture and see if we could present things in a very multimedia pastiche so having an artist on staff naturally you know he wanted to kind of show some of his early works Oliver and he had plenty of other artist friends to bring into the mix and uh, he just sort of assumed the mantle of being the, the first gallery director and we started installing shows and having openings for them and selling artwork as a just another thing that we did in the course of the day. Did you actually sell a lot there? I remember I mean I can remember just being there and seeing all this very cool art that was changing all the time but was it was it actually a profitable side venture for the for the space on occasion <laughs> it certainly was something that uh added tremendously to the sort of cultural gravitas uh in the mix over there and some shows sold really well um and some shows didn't but just looked really good so for us it was really not about like a necessary revenue stream to keep the operation going. It was about, you know, a necessary cultural stream to keep the operation relevant. Right, which is kind of what Halcyon was all about. And then you made the move to an even more rapidly gentrifying neighborhood. Yes and no. You know, it's funny, Dumbo, having gone through that cycle once, uh, was a very different animal. Yeah. Um, you know the area where we were on Smith Street was all small buildings that were family owned uh so when they saw opportunity they very quickly sold you know right. these are people who'd been you know probably holding on to grandma's house for years and never saw it making any money for them or being of very much use and suddenly people were offering to rent or buy it from them and they were jumping at the opportunity so it moved fast dumbo was owned almost entirely by two very sizable real estate concerns um, who couldn't have been more different from each other, but were curating that neighborhood in a much more deliberate fashion. Right. Um, and as a very small business there, um, we didn't have quite the leverage that we had. Um, we weren't quite the center of attention that we were when we were, as we were on Smith Street. And we also had a very different concept there. Right, you were much more of a f focused record store. Yeah, I mean, really, the the idea when we left Smith Street and moved into the Dumbo shop was that we had created this kind of, you know, multi-headed kind of operation with all these different businesses operating synergistically. 
but we also came to realize that they were in like kind of a perfect stasis balance and none of them could really grow without throwing that balance off and maybe negatively affecting the others. So we took the the retail component in particular and moved it into what was really more of a lifestyle boutique type of shop uh, with the intention of looking to open a second space elsewhere that would have been more of a nightlife venue type of focus place. So really the, the, the shop still retained a lot of its um, communal vibe and aspect amongst people who were record buyers. It became kind of an essential hub, uh, but it didn't quite have tentacles reaching as far out into broader communities of people who would just come in to buy coffee in Smith Street because there was no food service there. It was uh, really based on coming in to get the latest records um, and then have opportunities there to hang out with other DJs and record heads uh, in an event format that was more of like an after-work BYOB in-store than it was a venue or party. The Dumbo era could could really you could really sum it up sort of like this the the Smith Street era where Halcyon opened its original five years were five years of glory and kind of runaway unexpected success and learning you know starting with that with kind of no knowledge of what we were doing and jumping in feet feet first and learning how to manage and grow that and then. Things changed in almost a 180 degree uh, view when we moved down to Dumbo and we kind of threw all in on the on the music side and the, and the record store shop side of what we were doing in that space. And that's when the bottom fell out of the industry and suddenly it became uh, a struggle and it became an exercise in uh, survival, really, in uh, of a physical record store in the digital age. And where we began as some young kids opening up a record store in a city that already had 15 record stores dedicated to underground electronic music and serving DJs out of Manhattan, we were this outlier in Brooklyn and, you know, we were trying to offer something different to what was already a pretty saturated market with a lot of places that, you know, had great reputations, well-deserved over years. And then over the next couple of years, all of those stores started to fail. Uh, the rents in Manhattan were too high. Digital music was eroding the, the buyership for records. And suddenly we found ourselves as the last man standing. We were kind of the standard bearer and carrying the torch for the entire thing. And we made the best of that through the years in Dumbo by focusing once again on the vitality of the independent record store for a vibrant music community and how we could serve that community beyond being just a retail outlet. Why exactly did you leave Dumbo in 2014 and then moved the shop to a space within the Output Nightclub? So the impetus to leave Dumbo is simply that as Dumbo gentrified and developed as a neighborhood, it moved further and further away from what we thought it was going to be or what it looked like it was going to be back in 2004, kind of veered sharply from being a really artist-driven 
very creative neighborhood to being a little bit more of a real estate business driven neighborhood. And uh, it ceased to be on the flight path of most of our customers and uh, they found it inconvenient to get there and that was just harming business. So the first impetus was just to go where where the people were, where our customers were right. so that they could stop by on the regular and pick up some records without having to take three trains. And then why specifically it moved into output was with output, I you know, I personally had finally realized this vision of having, you know, a, a more grandiose, larger scale nightlife establishment. Uh, but output at, at that point had gotten so large that it, it felt like it needed a little bit more of a grassroots community edge to it. So bringing Halcyon into the facility there and having it open up during the daytime where there was a spot where people could come in chill there'd be some djs playing there'd be music there'd be culture there'd be vibe but there'd be no entry costs and a lot of those kind of barriers of like a late night place so really it was kind of coming back full circle in a way to where we began on smith street right so finally we're going to hear from zara ladowski who was a longtime halcyon staffer who worked throughout the dumbo and williamsburg years hi i'm zara I worked at Helsing for seven years, starting out as a clerk and then moving my way up to events booker, the buyer, and the manager. I also worked at Halcyon through Sean's management and then the transition and then the new ownership and also was at four different Halcyon locations, Dumbo, South Williamsburg, the Greenpoint Warehouse, and Output. Halcyon became a part of my life in 2011. I had just moved back to New York City from living in London for a really long time and I barely knew anyone. Suddenly, through Halcyon, I was introduced to so many people and like every single electronic music scene because the place was such a hub for everyone to come to. And then suddenly, electronic music blew up in New York City in a way it hadn't been since the 90s. And working at Halcyon was like having front row seats to all of this, watching it all come together and seeing it grow into its own thing as well. Most of all, though, the people who I met and worked with while I was at Halcyon are super near and dear to my heart. There's so many hilarious and amazing memories that I have of the place. I'm just so grateful to have been a part of it. When you talk to people about Halcyon, what do you hear is the thing that they most miss about it? I think the sense of community. I mean, I think that's what brought it all together. It was really its its strong suit. And I think it's it's rare in the in the fast-paced world of New York City to have an oasis that, that you can kind of go to and rely on regularly, like, you know, a cheers, if you will, a place where you can just kind of, you know, walk in and you're going to run up on some people you know and some familiar faces or just some like-minded people. I think people miss that. And I assume that's kind of what you personally miss most about it as well. For sure. I mean, you know, the people. It was such a, 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 you know, starting with the staff, it was such a, a team-oriented uh, type of vibe. Uh, people really became very close friends uh, who worked there. So that and, you know, the community of patrons, the collaborators and contributors, like, you know, the people, for sure. Having said that, I imagine you don't necessarily miss the day-to-day -day grind of working in a shop like that. I mean, you know, that, that first five years uh, 
was seven days a week round the clock. Um, and it was an amazing wild ride, uh, but I was also 20 years younger. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it's nice to have an, an actual outside life once in a while. Every now and again, yeah. <laughs> and we should mention that when I say people miss Halcyon, I'm talking about the old Halcyon because Halcyon is still going strong in its current space of course. No, absolutely. And it's, you know, it's speaking to a new generation now and it's, it's building a new community, uh, just like that. So, you know, when I say I miss it, I'm talking about missing it on a personal level myself, but you know, for those out there listening to whom that type of community sounds attractive, go check out Halcyon where it's at now and, and join up, you know, do people from the old days of Halcyon actually literally come up to you and say, oh, wow, I really missed that space or or say, I wish you were still doing it there. Or... Definitely. Yeah. Um, some of those people I still see, uh, you know, in the course of my professional life all the time. And yeah, there's definitely a, a nostalgic yearning for it. And I think, again, what, you know, what people talk about most is just having that that spot, that go to place, you know, where they right. felt they belonged. Looking back, what do you think was the secret sauce that made Halcyon so iconic? Uh, I mean, I think the secret sauce was a little bit of just innocence in a way. You know, it was a a new time. Um, Brooklyn was a blank slate. And, uh, you know, we were young and idealistic just doing what we wanted to do and following passion without a real plan. So, uh, you know, call it DIY or what you want to call it, but there was some authenticity that you know arose from a sort of youthful exuberance and open-mindedness that was on display there yeah it's a it's kind of funny because i had lived in new york for many years before the original halcyon and smith street even opened up and i can specifically remember going to halcyon and saying i don't think i've ever taken the f train this direction before in my life yeah i mean it was interesting you know i say I say sort of youthful exuberance, but that's what was on display. What it attracted was some of everything, you know, and, and, you know, you could go in there on a Saturday afternoon and find, uh, people in their seventies sitting there playing Scrabble or reading the New York times, uh, next to, you know, young kids that were still up from the night before. And there was quite a mix of different people, but I think people were kind of attracted kind of right away to that kind of authenticity it sort of looked like hey this place is you know it's it's a business open to the public but it doesn't look like it's very business minded it just not doesn't have the trappings of a place that's trying to get a bunch of money out of me or is very purposeful in the way it goes about that so it kind of woke people up to the, the idea that like yeah you could kind of just do something even in even in New York City as expensive and crazy as it is and demanding as New York City is but out here in Brooklyn you could kind of do something a little bit more laid back with a little bit less pressure and where there's a little bit more freedom to experiment right thanks so much for talking Sean that was great great talking to you great seeing you I've known you for 20 some years now it's always good to get together my pleasure to be here with you, Bruce. Always happy to uh, wax poetic. We'll probably do so again in the future, but so be ready for that. Anyway, this is Bruce Tantum. You've been listening to part two of the special Halcyon 20th anniversary edition of the Halcyon Archives, exclusively on jasoncharles.net. For more information on Halcyon, visit halcyontheshop.com.
Halcyon. JasonCharles.net. Deep talk, deep sounds. That was so deep. <laughs>